Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we are into the episodes that we did not see in the online premiere party for Lower Decks. Right. But I have received my gift package for the online premiere party of Lower Decks. Are you fucking kidding me, man? I am uh, presenting you with a giant crate from the folks at CBS All Access. Property of USS Cerritos, it says on the outside. I, this is driving me nuts, Ben. <laughs> Here's a little bit behind the pod. So okay. you and I attended the virtual premiere for the show. It, as, as stated in a previous episode, uh, you were always invited and I was a last minute thing and I, and you and I discussed after the the premiere you know we should reach out to the contacts we have at CBSL access and like I think I've been a communications professional before and I've been on the other side I I sent an email to them that you and I both worked on that was like hey we think you should know who we are and it's not because you're going to curry favor with us in any way but like we have a really big, rabid audience, and we want to be invited to stuff like this and included. And We want you to prescribe some kind of medication to cure the rabies that our audience is suffering from. <laughs> we, want, we want the booze. It was the booze that hurt the most, Ben, that, yeah. that, that other shows were getting booze and we weren't. And so I wrote that email and I sent it yesterday. You sent it yesterday. If it's any comfort... I think that this came because when I was first emailed about the party, they asked for my address and I gave them the P.O. box. Hmm. And I don't know if it will have aired by the time this comes out or not, but we we did a mail call on a recent episode of The Greatest Generation where I opened a painting Mm -hmm. that is the painting from Star Trek colon Picard. And I thought that that maybe was what they sent. Oh, because interesting. that kind of came in a time frame, but the mail's all fucked up right now. So it's this... all fucked up. There's no way that that anything has come as a result of my email. No, this hit our PO box like three or four days before you sent your email. But I thought it would be fun to open it up. You know, better late than never, and see what's inside. Please do. Okay, so we've got a. Pretty nicely done box. It looks like there are maybe... Oh, there's like a t-shirt in here. I'm wondering if stuff is... It looks like it's really gotten banged around. Oh, wow! <laughs> there is a... Uh, there's a Boston Shaker. Hey! Uh, a USS Cerritos branded Boston Shaker, cocktail shaker, and a jigger and a muddler included. You can't have enough of those. You sure can't. There's the, like, actual physical invite to the party on the holodeck to celebrate the new show. Wow. There is a flask of out-of-this-world bourbon whiskey. Some bitters. This looks like Underberg bitters, probably. I'm, I'm used to seeing the, the bandolier of Underberg. It, it's rare to see one in isolation like that. Blue Curacao, which I'm sure for like legal reasons they had to label Blue Curacao, but should probably be labeled Romulan Ale or something, uh-huh. right? And Simple Syrup. And there's a, there's a cocktail listed here. It is two ounces of whiskey, one ounce fresh lemon juice, one half ounce Simple Syrup, one half ounce Blue Curacao, two dashes Angostura bitters. Oh, maybe this is Angostura. Is that possible? Hey, that'd be cool. Now, this is definitely Underberg. Garnish with a lemon twist. Serve in a low ball or rocks glass with crushed ice. Oh, man. I might have to run run and make myself one of these. Pretty cool. As a, as a packaging nerd, I definitely appreciate uh, the, the printing on both the inside and the outside of this thing. Looks like a lot of yeah. care was taken. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is really nicely done. I'm 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 so glad they sent this to me and not you. <laughs> my my look at this couple of couple of those whiskey glasses that don't have a. They're like the the kind that kind of roll around on the desk. Yeah, they're rounded off on the bottom. I like those. You're definitely not going to break that. <laughs> yeah. I got a move coming up, so uh, I might I might keep these in their original packaging until such time as my move is over. I feel like this is psyop from CBS to us in an attempt to in an attempt <laughs> to break to up the apart. show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if these are temporary tattoos or stickers, but there's a bunch of. Uh, I think they must be stickers of uh, characters and objects from the show. I see Boimler. I see a bottle of Romulan ale and some batleths and stuff. Got some uh, packaged popcorn, some uh, Haribo Star Mix gummies. Oh no. <laughs> there is a. Very far past due lemon in here with oh, a wow. USS Cerritos sticker on it. That sends a message. A formerly fresh lemon. I'm glad I went to the P.O. box this week. And a t-shirt. Gotta have a t-shirt. Gotta have it. Hey, that looks like one of those soft t-shirts, too. That's that's something you'd actually wear. Bella Canvas. That's a good brand of unprinted on t-shirt. Yeah. Hey. Wow. Well... I'm sure that none of them are listening, but thanks to the thanks to the folks at CBS for sending something. I feel like a fool and I feel bad. <laughs> because right because they got an email from me uh, asking politely and kindly, which is which are two rare qualities in an email that you get from me. Uh, you know, to just to keep us on their list. We we've been on their list. They're probably reading this email thinking, what the hell? Yeah. They're probably thinking, I'm going to be a big problem, and they're probably taking me off the list that I had been <laughs> on the whole time. I'm very curious about it, because like I, when I got that invite, I was pretty surprised. Like We had not solicited anything at that point. But what I had done is emailed asking if screeners were possible, uh-huh. just, just to make our production lifestyles a little bit easier. Like... Like I'm getting ready to take a two week vacation and it won't, you know, to the listeners, it will be imperceptible. And part of the reason it will be imperceptible is that I will be uh, recording greatest discovery episodes while I'm on vacation. (laughs) And if we'd gotten screeners, I wouldn't have to. Both of us are no strangers to working on vacation. It's been that way the whole time. Pretty much. That was fun. Do you want to get into the episode we came to watch and talk about today? I feel like the brother watching his brother open up birthday gifts and is like, (laughs) cool, happy birthday or whatever. Yeah. You're Ferris Bueller getting a computer and I'm your sister getting a car. Yeah. Well, uh, let's... I have much better feelings about the episode we're here to talk about today, Ben. So let's get to it. It's the third episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It's called Temporal Edict. I was confused by the uh, the background screen to this episode being from an episode that wasn't this one. Hmm. We've got minor quibbles with the CBS All Access app. You navigate over to the the lower decks show. You get into the show feed. Oh, and you're saying the 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 thumbnail for yeah. this episode was for a different episode. Yeah, there was. Oh a, shit! It it looked like a, an investigatory scene where Mariner had a, a a pin board full of pictures and that that red thread tying everything together. That's not this episode. Oh wow! She's not doing that here. I uh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's some wild shit. Get it together, CBS All Access app. <laughs> uh, they're not listening. I'm definitely off their list now. Yeah. Uh, fun opening scene. It seems like it's uh, there to make fun of Boimler for being the kind of dork that plays kind of corny violin music in 10 Forward. 
and that Mariner is going to be like the cool that comes in and plays some some thrash metal. But it seems like neither of them uh, comes across as particularly impressive to the rest of the crew who are in the ship's bar trying to enjoy themselves. And (laughs) this music is sort of being thrust upon them. That was titled Essence. I wrote it about my mom. This next piece is also about my mom. It's a vibe we never got in TNG during the many recitals we experienced on that show. Like, to a person, except for maybe, like, Sleepy Riker, there was there was always an, an interest in that kind of recreation. But you understand from a scene like this that uh, you're kind of held hostage if your one bar on the ship is being used as an open mic. Yeah, yeah. That's not fun. You and I would leave before trivia. Uh, at this bar yeah when they start sound checking for whatever this is uh-huh. you and i would be like hey uh maybe uh maybe we go like just take a bottle down to the observation deck or something <laughs> i like how that's pretty much what happened here it's a very sparsely populated audience for such yeah. a thing this heavy metal that Mariner plays is so loud that it pisses off a klingon on the facetime that the captain is communicating with uh, on a different ship. It seems like a type of music that they would be into. Yeah, it's not that far off of Melota. No, it isn't. So Shax is on this. He uh, he runs down to the lounge. And I wonder if this was a mistake, Ben, because Shax gets up on stage, smashes Boimler's violin, and then the cut to theme happens right after Boimler saying, I'm so sorry. Did that feel awkward to you, that cut? Oh, I liked it. I, I, I like that Boimler is such a, he's so eager to please that he, he, he will like find a way to blame himself when he gets in trouble for something he didn't do. I think my point is that there's usually a beat after a line like this before we Hmm. have a transition to a different scene. Like comedy is often about beats like this where set up punchline audience laughter is a, is a form of this, but in the absence of audience laughter, I feel like there is frequently a beat after a punchline or a laugh line that we don't get here. Instead, we cut straight to theme. And for some reason that messed with the, the music of comedy to me. Huh? Uh, I kind of liked the smash cut personally, but I could see why you felt that way. Well, there's a ton of funny that does work in this episode, Ben. That was That's a minor quibble. Okay, well, episode, you're on notice. <laughs> the, uh, the Cerritos is on a mission of peace to Cardassia, and this is something to be excited about. This seems like a mission that may be above their pay grade for the moment that it's given to them. Uh, but they are diverted to a different mission as this one is given to someone else by an admiral we've never met before. The Cardassians are creeping everyone out. Captain Freeman is devastated and angry. Devastangry (laughs) is her reaction to this news. Yeah, it seems like this planet Gelrak that they're headed to is... It's not like a second contact thing, but it's like a recently inducted Federation planet and they're just going to kind of do another like very perfunctory mission and yeah the captain like flings her pad at the view screen the second the admiral is off and then sort of starts proclaiming that that the ship she is the captain of is a piece of shit and she has a crew of slackers and her you know she is thought of as a as a joke in the rest of Starfleet because of it. This moment is actually really important because later when the captain runs into Boimler in the turbo lift and accidentally learns of the buffer time that the crew people of the ship subscribe to, it's compounding that instead of the first time she hears of it, inspiring her to fly off the handle in reaction. It needs to be both of these working together in order to create the conflict that happens in the show. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good writing to plant that yeah. that she has this creeping sense of a ship full of slackers in this first scene being why she doesn't get 
the thing she wants. Because, I mean, up until now, Boimler has never been the type of character to inspire action from anyone or the captain, <laughs> you know? So if it was just the turbo lift scene, it may not have made the same point. I agree. Uh, buffer time is a concept that we get introduced to in the next scene, which is our our four main characters working together in the brig. You know, they're they're reconfiguring the force fields or something, testing their ability to withstand phaser fire, and uh, and they finish up early and uh, and replicate some margs to celebrate. Buffer time is a it's a thing that I think you and I have known as as sort of the Montgomery Scott philosophy of Star right. Trek. Scotty never referred to here when we're talking about it, but personally for you and me, like this is kind of the freelancer's code that's being described here too, right? Because you can't ever give a forecast of work completion without allowing for that buffer. Otherwise, you are always going to be behind the curve with a client. Right, because any estimate you you give inevitably slips a little bit because there's always stuff that comes up or new notes that right. you didn't expect or whatever. I mean, I, I really like the kind of proactive approach that they have to it, which is like, we are going to radically overestimate everything and then enjoy all of the free time in between completing the task and when the task was scheduled to be completed. Which was never a thing that I did as a freelancer. Like I, I, I filled all available space with versioning and Yeah. <laughs> I n I never had I never had margaritas. It sucked. I know. Like I wish I'd seen this episode like fifteen years ago. Yeah. I think I would have my twenties would have been a much happier time. Agreed. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh discussion of this buffer time thing uh here in this scene and then later in the bar, which uh Boimler is leaving the bar when he winds up on a turbo lift with the captain and uh and that's when the phrase buffer time flies out of his mouth and uh and she realizes she's got a problem on her hands this is an awful feeling moment when you realize that you're occupying the same space as someone who is mid warpath <laughs> <laughs> you know and this is this is straight up boimler like yeah. Like whistling the, the theme to Star Trek The Next Generation to himself for some reason. <laughs> and, I love that. <laughs> and absently uh, activating the captain in a way that he, that he could not predict. I feel like I've had this happen to me several times in my life. And I feel like if I notice somebody is pissed off... I will inevitably make them more pissed off. And if I don't, it's just as bad. Like, there's no way of uh, of saving your skin in a moment like this. I really, if we haven't said it before, I really like the animation on this show. I feel like they're able to get a lot of expression out of a very efficient amount of lines per character. There is a fair amount of detail to the characters, but there isn't like a forensic microscopic kind of detail to them and and they get a lot of value out of a furrowed eyebrow or like the amount of eyelid you see over an eye based on a circumstance that's happening i think it's it's really interesting i know they they have to think a lot about that because they don't have a lot to work with like the way that a that an actor has has their entire face working for them yeah the awkwardness the sense of intimidation that uh, Boimler experiences every time he's around one of the senior officers is is uh, really well portrayed. I really like it. One thing occurred to me watching this episode that I don't know if we know the answer to this yet, but is Boimler entirely human? Is he a human who has dyed his hair purple or is he like part alien or is he not human at all? That's a pretty interesting question. I don't know if we know for sure. I don't, it, it would seem as though it would have come up in one of the playful, let's make fun of Boimler for being different than us kind of, kind of jags <laughs> that the show goes off of. But of the many indignities he's had to face, like one of them is yeah. never defending his humanity. Right. One of the things that made me 
contemplate that in this episode is that like they're standing around in their uh, hallway o bunk beds uh, talking about went the day well when they all get the memo from the captain that uh, their time is now going to be extremely highly monitored and they will have an allotment of time to complete each task as as decided by senior officers and there will be like a countdown clock and there will be reprisals for people that uh, slack off and and attempt to enjoy their buffer time and Boimler is uh, pretty quickly uh, established as like the only character on the ship who can handle a uh, a rubric of work like this. There are very few people in any workplace who are okay with consultants and <laughs> and their consequences. And this seems to be like a consultant type workplace legislation happening. Yeah, the bobs came and uh, and worked this out with the captain. <laughs> what would you say you do here? There is a momentary fear experienced by our friends in the bunk bed quarters that dissolves into confidence because they are Starfleet, which dissolves visually into a pretty neat transition as we like fly through the red clock graphic and then get a slowly rotating Cerritos, uh, rotating counterclockwise specifically. <laughs> yeah, we uh, it's it's got very like horror movie feeling to it yeah and uh it's like they've been zombified again yeah and the whole crew are like racing around desperately trying to keep up with the ticking clocks that they've all been issued i mean even mariner is caught up in this right like she is normally pretty quick to throw off the yoke of work and uh in this in this sequence, she's even among the crew members racing around trying desperately to keep up. Every crew person is subject to this except for Boimler, who has completed all of his tasks and clearly loves the scanning for life form song that Data sang <laughs> in Star Trek Generations because he's got little songs for his tasks too. Ooh, I love Purgeon. This is so weird. Like at the very end, Ben, we get the idea that like maybe the Boimler effect will live on forever. But it's clear in the 24th century, no one remembers the quality cost time triangle that everyone knows about today, right? Like, right. why Why isn't anyone bringing this up? Is it because cost doesn't exist anymore? Like, they, they, like because money is such a foreign concept to these people that they don't think in triangular terms that response just gave me the chills like how <laughs> how perfect it is i mean that's something that i've really been enjoying about lower decks is how much fun it seems to be making of that idea of like a utopian society mm -hmm. like I think it's kind of funny to make fun of Utopia. But it's like, also indirectly making fun of of current workplace society, too. Like, there is, totally. there is a lot of thinly veiled animus being leveled here yeah. uh, toward the way things are for us today. Yeah, I mean, not for you and I, because we try to be cool bosses to each other, but... Says the guy who's working on his vacation. Says the guy <laughs> who has always worked on his vacation. Yeah. It's fun. Rob hears us talking about trying to be cool bosses and just throws the episode out the window with yeah. his laptop. Th that was the last <laughs> moment that the episode was edited. From here on out, <laughs> the quality is really going to degrade. They're uh, they're preparing a shuttle to go visit the Gelrakians. This is the this is the mission that the ship was given instead of the Cardassian mission and uh, it's being loaded up by some crew people. As uh, as observed by Commander Ransom, uh, and he tangles it up with Mariner right away. Yeah, he notices that Mariner is like trying to do that thing of a kid that is late for class, trying to sneak in and get into the desk when the teacher isn't looking. Right. Uh, she she picks up a crate, and he uh, immediately calls her on being late to the mission. But uh, you know, we we just saw her like racing through the hallways doing work. It's uh, it's this new system that's that's fucking people up. And all the other ensigns on this mission are super, super wiped out looking. Like 
uh, you talked about eyelids like they are all like almost stoned looking how how tired they seem yeah the uh the Gelrakians are crystal people who clearly voted for Marianne Williamson <laughs> <laughs> like they are uh, they're they're those kinds of crystal people like their entire society is is built upon the crystal they uh, stand in opposition to the wood people their sworn enemies this is a very mega man feeling uh, <laughs> amount of world building here <laughs> that I like this is not me making fun of it like I, yeah. I really actually like this the, it was cool when they all got the crystal upgrades to their arm cannons at the right. end of this episode <laughs> So the idea is they need to present this crystal charm to them. An honor crystal MacGuffin that uh, they've brought with them, or rather they think they've brought with them, but in fact they've brought the fertility totem that's meant for a different planet. And uh, this is something the Galrakians take great umbrage with. It sends exactly the wrong message. It sends the message that we're ready to fight. It's a pretty fun fight scene, and it's undergirded by the by the score that sounds totally inspired by the best of both worlds score that's the leitmotif here there's a lot of uh, crystalline spears being thrown at the starfleets uh, a bolian catches one in the chest and is convinced he's gonna die um ensign mariner does some pretty good like hand-to-hand combat before they all have to go like duck behind some some crystals on the ground and commander ransom announces that he's going to go diplomacy this problem to bed but uh he gets a an electric net thrown around him and uh they all get taken into custody by these crystal worshiping freaks (laughs) (laughs) on the ship things aren't much better uh, what's happened here is the captain is jumping in and doing shit herself because the crew has just failed. Like they've been loaded up with an amount of stress that has created uh, failure among all of them. They can't do things like raise the shields. They have burned out in no time flat. I mean, like presumably just like diagnostics are happening that don't need to be happening right now. But the Galrakians have scrambled like orbital defense ships that are now going to board the USS Cerritos. And Shax is like unable to defend them with shields or phasers because nothing works and he is exhausted and everybody else is exhausted, too. You got to get a backup bear at that position if you're Shax, right? Yeah, are there any bears that aren't on shift right now? That's what I'm saying. Wake them up. The the backup bears are hibernating in the bunks. (laughs) (laughs) The Galrakids, like, begin boarding the ship, and people are too focused on their work to turn around and, like, phaser them to stop them. One of the great advantages of of drawn Star Trek versus live action Star Trek is the idea of like physical damage happening to a ship. And we get that a lot on the Cerritos from here on out. And it begins with the the boarding ships, how they have claws that dig into the hull and then, and then rip open pieces to get on board. I thought that was really neat. Well, most of the ships in the fleet are made out of titanium, but unfortunately the Cerritos is made out of aluminum. Mm. Yeah. So Ransom and Mariner are in this jail and it gives them another opportunity to argue about how things are done in Starfleet. Right. He is, uh, he's like working on a speech. He's going to try and lawyer Picard, the Galrakians into letting them go. And, uh, Mariner is, is really dragging him for his naive approach to, the job. I love their argument. I love how Ransom is always finding something to put a leg up on. Like this is definitely a a Riker bit that we've seen this character do in a couple of episodes now. It's big fun. And Mariner is, is just as happy to put a leg up on something, if not more so. They are awaiting their punishment, and the punishment is that they must fight Vindor, the giant Gelrakian, whose job it is to fight people from other planets, I guess. 
yeah. if their designated gladiator is unable to win the rest of the crew, like it's only Mariner and Ransom in the jail cell. The rest of the crew is tied up to this stone beneath a a crushing geode that will fall on the rest of the crew if either Mariner or Ransom are, are unable to defeat Vindor. Yeah. And it's like a form of, of punishment barbarism that feels very TOS. I'm not sure why a society like this was admitted to the Federation. Yeah. But uh, you do you, Federation. Who am I to question your choices? I love the kind of comedy that goes like uh, attaching something uh, sophisticated to something barbaric, like adjudication <laughs> geode for just <laughs> killing someone with a rock, I think is a hilarious mashup to me. It's big fun. What the heck got these guys so wound up? Meanwhile, uh, the ship is being tagged like an abandoned car in a rough neighborhood. It's not going... <laughs> not the, uh, the battle does not go well, Cerritos. Sure doesn't. Um, Boimler makes his way up to the bridge. He is like blithely walking around the ship, like going like, Oh, what's up? What's up with all this uh, graffiti? Oh, I'll just use my phaser to wipe it off the walls. And then... Some Galrakians set upon him with their spears. He easily takes them out and puts two and two together that the red alert that is playing throughout the ship is due to the boarding party, but the boarding party are a bunch of clowns that can be easily defeated with a phaser set to stun. Right. So he heads to the bridge with this great bit of news. He's the only clear-thinking crew person left. This is like another thing that feels a little bit subversive about the episode, which is like Boimler unlocks the problem with performance evaluations that reveal an interest in pushing more and more labor onto labor, which is that when you emphasize productivity above above anything else, it means sacrificing the part of yourself that made you a good employee to begin with. And the reason many in many instances that you were hired. They're doing quantity work but not quality work right and so when he goes up to the bridge he sees the captain being crushed under her own mandate she's peter principled herself man yeah she's self-petered <laughs> he, he uh, begins to try and talk some sense into her about this but uh before we get too far into that we cut back to the planet where Mariner and Ransom are kind of debating who is going to be the one of them that gets the honor of fighting Vindor. And for two out of three episodes now, Mariner <laughs> has a habit of getting undressed in anticipation of a fight. Yeah. In this scene, she is, uh, she's, you know, pulling her uniform open to show off all these crazy scars that she's earned in what she calls high concept fights. Which I love, like a a character referring to a script technique. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that Ransom subscribes to uh, to that idea of rank rules everything around me, or Reem. Like he cannot accept the idea of anyone below him jumping into this fight. It's got to be him. And he, and he like makes a a show of coming to agree that maybe it should be Mariner because she's got she's got the reps in this department, but he is actually just kind of distracting her so he can drop the sword that they've been given into her foot, <laughs> taking her out of contention. I don't know what was more distracting, like the sickening sound of the sword going through the top of her foot, or the fact that Ransom has a groundskeeper willy body. <laughs> I love reveals like this. Yeah, it's good. And uh, this is also two new Star Trek series in a row that have a scene where a character walks into a fight and throws the weapon he's been given yeah. to the ground. Only Ransom is only throwing the sword to the ground so that he can use his Kirk Chap techniques to to take out Vindor. And, and Vindor, like the uh, Galrakians that are invading the USS Cerritos, is... A total pushover in the combat department. Vindor's heart just isn't in it. And it's easy to not have your heart in a thing when you're having uh, axe handles dropped on you. <laughs> <laughs> With the kind of repetition that uh, that Ransom brings. He never stood a chance. I like this scene. I feel like, um, I feel like we could have written that scene. <laughs> 
I like how Ransom gets more sweaty as the fight goes on and what that looks like. Like yeah. there's a there's a cartoonish glow to to how he looks as the fight goes on. It's super fun. He gets like plastic glossy yeah. almost. Yeah. On the bridge, uh, Boimler makes the case that I think you've made to me quite a few times when we've gone out on tour. It's that slow is fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I subscribe to the shooter school of sniper yeah. technology. Slow is steady, steady is fast. Right. Exactly. And it's true because once you're free from constraints, it means you're able to do a better quality of work. Right. So he kind of snaps the captain out of her extreme overworking theory of of management, and she issues a new order to the crew that they can, you know, break any regulation they want and take all the time they want to get their work done, uh, just so long as they repel the invaders. And uh, people kind of are relieved all over the ship and snap out of it and start to uh, bat back at the Galrakian boarding party. You remember in the first episode of TNG when Riker watches a bunch of the episode from the Battle Bridge and when they separate the ship, they play the theme song to start Trek the Next Generation? <laughs> they play the theme song to Lower Decks during this fight. And I wonder to what extent that was a callback or if it was just incidental. I noticed that the the score when when the Vindor fight was happening was very reminiscent of the um, Kirk fighting yeah. the green uh, dino guy. What was that guy called? The Gorn. The Gorn. <laughs> He's a Gorn. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Kirk's fighting a Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Gorn. <laughs> I think the music is doing a lot of work in this season. I like it. Yeah. So uh, they clean the ship up. They uh, they they try again with the Galrakians. This time they show up with the right box with the Crystal of Honor inside of it. And the Galrakians are uh, very apologetic for how off the handle they flew. And uh, they and Shax really like bond over uh, hating people that worship wood. Yeah. Those wood-worshipping pieces of shit. Bunch of sexual freaks over there on planet wood. <laughs> yeah. Get uh, a little scene in Six Bay where Dr. Katz accuses Mariner of looking like a scratching post. Do you think Risa gets the wood for the uh, for their idol from this wood planet? Because they make several references to them being sexual deviants. I've never been totally convinced that the Horgon is wood-based. Really? I think that's all it could be. I think it could be made out of stone. It could be made out of that wood that's like stone. Hmm. Petrified wood? Yeah, it could be made of petrified wood. <laughs> Maybe it's made out of petrified wood. Uh, anyways, they, uh, there's, there seems to be something, uh, some sort of romance, uh, potentially being kindled between Mariner and uh, Commander Ransom because uh, she definitely found her basement being flooded when she w- when she was watching him fight Findor. And uh, it seems like uh, her, him sending her off to the brig and her reacting really badly to that has uh, had the coequal response within his pants. It feels like there's a fair amount of Kalar in her you know, like down to scrap, <laughs> down to fuck. Like, yeah, like she's she's really cool. And Ransom is way cooler than Worf. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can say that, too. Yeah. I mean, in Kalar's defense, she had no idea what a terrible father Worf would be when she mated with him. That's true. So uh, Boimler visits the captain in the ready room, and uh, it's there that he learns that uh, he's getting a plaque named after the Boimler effect that he invented. He is not comfortable <laughs> with the plaque, the effect, anything about this. Yeah, I love the uh, casual derision that the captain has for him. She says something about like the, you know, the 
the foolish path I was on, right. you know, could only have been properly understood through the eyes of a child. Right. Like his naivete was what <laughs> was what saved the day. And uh, there's a very funny like flash forward to the future after he complains to his friends about having the Boimler effect named after him, where <laughs> little Federation children are being educated about it. It's a concept that really stands the test of time in this universe. I love that uh, that the Boimler statue gets a great bird of the galaxy. That was Gene Roddenberry's nickname. That's fun. Yeah. Also fun, Chief O'Brien, named as one of the most important members of the Federation. This is fucking spectacular. You know what makes me sad about that is that it's clear that he never rose above the rank of chief. He never wanted to. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be an officer. He hates buffets. In the same way that that you're given an honorary doctorate or whatever, if you're a celebrity or a or a, a person of note, I feel like once O'Brien retires, he should have been given an honorary admiralship or something. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. Did you like the episode? Adam? Yeah, I really did. I think I think we're three for three at this point. I have a prediction, Ben, and I think yeah. I'm ready. This is so dangerous. I can't believe this is, this is maybe the hottest take that I've ever had on the show. Oh, boy. Do I need to put on a uh, like one of those silver suits that people wear when they go into the caldera of a volcano? I think for a variety of reasons, production, budget... Etc. But maybe first and foremost, quality. I think Star Trek Lower Decks will be the longest running Star Trek series when it's all said and done. I think we're getting we're getting eight plus seasons out of this show. Wow. I'm saying that out of hope. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I really like it. I like the it feels really nice to be back in a Monster of the Week mm -hmm. Star Trek context. I I think that the prestige, our drama, television world that we live in right now has brought a lot of great things to television. But one thing that I love about Star Trek is just a new adventure each week. Yeah. And uh, we've gotten a few episodes here and there in Picard and Discovery, but this is a show that is delivering that week in, week out. And that is something I really appreciate about it. And it's funny. Like it's I'm I'm laughing out loud like multiple times per episode. It had to be funny. Like it could not it could not just be nostalgia cartoon for a half an hour. That doesn't work. It would have been I think I know we would have rejected it if it had been that way. But but it's it's very specifically and crucially a smaller percentage of it is is nostalgia than anything else, than any other good quality about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Adam, do you want to see if we have any priority one messages in the inbox today? I'm looking right at them. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Okay, Adam, it looks like nothing in the inbox for priority one messages this week. But if folks would like to get a message on the show and support the show at the same time, it's super easy. You head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and uh, fill out a quick form. It's a hundred bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And uh, we really appreciate it because it helps us be better bosses. I don't think anything's going to help me become a better boss, Ben. <laughs> I try and try. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. 
That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? Yeah, I did. Um, My Edward Larkin for this episode is the guy that yells, Crystals! When when the uh, adjudication geode is revealed, he's just like standing on a platform near it. (laughs) I just love that uh, one of the guys on this planet is just like, they're all nuts about crystals, but this guy just likes saying it. He's that nuts about crystals. He really makes you believe. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This fall, you will believe that character cares about crystals. You know what it made me think of was uh, a moment that really killed me in that movie, Snakes on a Plane, where there's like a, a moment of relative quietness at some point after the snake attack has begun. Somewhere in the background, you just hear a guy go, snakes! <laughs> and <laughs> it always made me laugh. And uh, this moment made me think of that and and laugh anew. That's a scene, Ben, that... that- makes you know when you get the 5.1 channel Dolby Surround going in your home theater <laughs> that it's worth it. Yeah, that was worth it. That was worth the $3,000 you invested in your speaker system. <laughs> uh, ben, I have said from the start that it's going to be Mariner as my Edward Larkin until she's dethroned, and she got dethroned this episode. Whoa! Because to me, it's clear that Commander Ransom is having the most fun. Wow. Uh, from the moment he he takes that shuttle down manually uh, to his willing to stab Mariner in order to fight on his own to the very end when he throws Mariner in the brig. He's really, yeah. he's really throwing it around in this episode. And I think 
uh, I would be a fool not to make him my Edward Larkin. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Mariner. This time, anyway, it's not you. Yeah, too bad for Mariner. Uh, welcome to the club, Ransom. <laughs> I wonder who will be Edward Larkin next episode, Ben. What does the preview yeah. tell us? The next episode is called Moist Vessel. Hmm? It seems like uh, from the trailer, maybe everybody is getting a new assignment at the beginning of the episode, and uh, not everybody loves the assignment they get, was kind of the the read that I had. Seems like the setup for any given episode. (laughs) Sounds like this vessel might be in need of a couple of those uh, desiccant pouches. Maybe get the moisture level down. Mm. Don't want to eat those things. Yeah. It seems like the lower decks have been flooded on this vessel. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Maybe that's our greatest discovery shirt for lower decks. Oh, yeah. Flood the lower decks. (laughs) My lower decks have been flooded by the greatest discovery. (laughs) There it is. Oh, man. We're going to have to work extremely hard to get that up on the store in time, but uh, I'm going to give it every effort, folks. Yeah, check maxfunstore.com as of this moment, and uh, maybe that'll be up there for pre-order. That'd be great. Uh, But we're going to have to leave it with Rob's from here. Uh, Check back next week for the next episode about Lower Decks. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. The show is produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Adam Ragusia, who happens to have an incredibly popular cooking channel on YouTube. Go check it out. Don't forget, you can now follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the handles Greatest Trek. Those accounts are run by the great Bill Tilly. Thanks, Bill. If you'd like to help out the podcast, head to MaximumFun.org join. There you can pledge your support and get all the bonus episodes. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.